Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey, 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 guys. Welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me right over here in England, Mr. Mark Asquith. I am getting more English, I think. And today, you shouldn't be laughing at that, Amanda. You know, I really am getting more English. (laughs) Right. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to challenge the issue of how to chase up prospects. Now, we've all been in that position where you think, should I give another little nudge? You've perhaps been to a really positive meeting. You don't quite know when to chase up. You don't know how to chase up. And to be honest, we kind of feel a little bit bad doing it sometimes. We don't know the right way to do it. We don't know how often to do it. And being completely honest, we don't know how to do it. We don't know what specifically to do. And that is the issue that we're going to define, challenge, and more importantly, conquer on this episode. And joining me today, helping me define, challenge, and conquer this particular issue is someone who at the ripe old age of 24 was the CEO of a huge, over 100 employee strong, multi-million dollar business. It's a really impressive resume with my guest today. So it gives me great, great pleasure to welcome to the show the CEO of Chet Holmes International, Amanda Holmes. How are you? Hello, Mark. Such a pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Now, your life periscope on this, aren't you, Amanda? I wish I had, uh, we're, we're doing a you know an audio Skype, but I still feel like I should have brushed my hair a little bit more. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, Turkey is on the line. I believe Argentina just said they're on the line as well. We have some all around the world. You're in the UK. I'm in uh, San Francisco. We got Florida. Quite, quite all over the place. Periscope is fantastic. And actually, before we dig into that, let's just let's talk just for two seconds about Periscope because it's the first one that we've actually live streamed. And I am starting to create a bit of a small business lunch show on Fridays in the UK myself on Periscope. And mm. I'm really curious about Periscope for small business. How have you found that, Amanda? Have you have you sort of been digging into Periscope quite a lot? I love Periscope. I've been having a blast. So let me give you an example. So I have a database of a couple hundred thousand business owners, and we've worked with over 200,000 over the last 23 years. So we've built up that database for a while. Uh, If I send out an email, I get roughly between um, 600 to 1,000 people to show up to a webinar. This particular webinar that I did, I had 800 business owners on the line. And like I said, 23 years of building a database with a couple hundred thousand. However, I jumped on Periscope. I had only been on Periscope for three days and I had 235 people show up to that webinar and I just happened to live stream it while it was going on. So a fourth of the people that showed up to my webinar were from Periscope on a platform where I'd only been on for three days. That blew my mind. (laughs) After that, I realized, okay, I should probably hang out on Periscope a bit more. And just so you know, this episode will probably knock me into 100,000 hearts, which when I hit 100,000, I've been telling them that I'm going to do a handstand um, for everybody. So that will happen pretty soon here. I'm thinking this episode with you, Mark, will hit that 100,000 like mark. So when you you like something, give me some hearts, okay, guys? Oh, we're getting hearts. 
Love it, love it, love it. And I want to see a picture of the handstand as well. I would, I'd, I'd watch this live on Periscope if we weren't chatting because that'd be very rude of me. But the, uh, the Periscope, the Periscope platform is so, so powerful. It becomes really interesting when you start to really, <laughs> this sounds really obvious, when you start to think about it. Like I got straight into Periscope and thought to myself, ooh, shiny, new things. Um, but you know, when you really start to come up with a format that works for you, Oh, the, the like the, the the just the opportunities endless for small business i think it's amazing yeah it's it's unreal i mean it i i love how it's so organic so i was a singer songwriter before uh two two careers ago and um on one of the periscopes someone said oh you should sit down and play some piano i'd love to hear some piano so it's now, all of the people that show up, they started calling it the sales lounge, where I would sit down, I would play the piano, and we talk about marketing and sales, and it's just been such a blast. So every time I hop on, I say, hey, sales lounge is starting, and we just talk over my uh, my baby grand. It's, it's, it's really delightful. I really enjoy it. That's amazing. I love that, the sales lounge. And actually, you mentioned there, two careers ago. Two careers yeah. ago. That's rather impressive. So let's dig into that story a little bit, Amanda. I'm really curious about that. Take us right from the beginning to where you are now. What was what was the beginning and where did the middle kick in and where are you today? Uh, okay. Well, my father, um, New York Times bestselling author of The Ultimate Sales Machine, um, he really believed, and this is a quote from him for all of you that are on social media right now, the one with the most passion wins. That's one of my favorite quotes of my father, the one with the most passion wins. And you really believe to go after what you truly love and you're passionate about. So for me, um, in high school and in college, that was music. So he supported me in that career. I released four records. I toured around the coast. I, you know, played my piano, played my guitar and just hustled. Uh, and I loved it. Um, just singing from my heart and singing about what mattered and getting up on stage and connecting with the audience. And, um, then I, and I went to university of Southern California's music school, which is one of the top in the nation. Uh, so that was a lot of fun as well. And then when my father got diagnosed with leukemia, I put my career aside and said, I'm going to focus on finding cure for my dad a hundred percent. And I studied, we had two people on staff going through all the different alternatives that could help cure his leukemia. And we came across this one woman. Um, she's now my mentor today. Her name is Guruji. Uh, she's an Indian guru. And I ended up living with her in Asia, just at her healing center, teaching meditation. Um, and I just fell in love. And after five months there, I said, you know, I'm not coming home. I love this too much. I want to just serve the people and I'm really healing myself within so that I can help more people, uh, around me. And then the doctors called and said, you know, you have six, your father has, um, your father's going to pass. You need to come home immediately. I came home six weeks later, he passed away. And, uh, that, I mean, obviously when you lose a parent, it's, it's a hard thing to manage or cope with. My father and I were, uh, extremely, extremely close. Um, so then I inherited his multi-million dollar business with a couple hundred employees that were all 20 years my senior at the very least. So I was the youngest by <laughs> quite a bit. And over the last three years, I've gone from the chairman that really didn't want to be a part of any of it to a year and a half ago, I stepped in as CEO. And now I've, I've, I've 
really found my passion because I fell in love with our clients. I fell in love with our raving fans. Um, you, you hear from people that have read the ultimate sales machine and they say, you know, it's like my Bible. I keep it on my desk during the day. I mean, we have stories about companies growing $700 million in two years, $200 million in eight months. I mean, the crazy stories that we have because we truly have this, my father had a gift of making sales and marketing a repeatable success model so that it can be uh, grown and 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 profitable. Uh, and that's what I carry on today. And that's some of the tips that I'm bringing to you today. So it's been tried and true. And I just feel lucky to be that conduit for business owners uh, with my father's methodology, what works for them, uh, and then bringing that to as many, to the masses, to as many entrepreneurs as I can. I love the idea of being the conduit as well. It, it always surprises me how successful people can be by simply being um, helpful, being a conduit, being a connector, being a person that is there to just purely give to others the value that they've got inside their minds. And I think that is so powerful. And back to that quote about, you know, the, the, from your father, which is, you know, those with the most passion win. When you put those two things together, those two ideas, that is, that is some serious opportunity there, isn't it? Yeah. It's, I mean, it really shows, I think that, you know, the ultimate salesperson, really all it takes is perseverance. That's that's all it takes. And majority of the time when they when they're so persevering, it's because they're passionate about it. <laughs> you know, they're passionate about connecting with that other person. And and it also makes for a much better quality of life, <laughs> which I'm a big proponent of. Oh, it's it's the old classic, isn't it? If you enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And it it, it really is true. It sounds so cliche, but the, you know the opportunity that's out there for everyone these days. I truly believe that anyone can find something they enjoy doing and make money from it. Which I think is, I don't know if it's ever been. I wouldn't say easy, but as there have never been any lower barriers to doing that in history. I don't think is that is that something you guys see? Do you do you see that? Um, in the States where people are just doing something for themselves more and more and more. Uh, you mean entrepreneurism? Yeah, and becoming more generally entrepreneurial minded, you know, just really having that mindset in, almost ingrained from a much younger age where before perhaps it wasn't quite like that. Oh, yeah. Um, we actually, I, I saw a study that said in twenty by 2020, 60% of the at least in the United States population will be one man entrepreneurs, which is a huge, huge difference from what it's been historically, you know? Wow. That is a serious statistic. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. That's amazing. So let's talk about following up prospects because if we are entrepreneurial minded and if we've got this kind of, you know, this need to make sales in our business, which, you know, most businesses do have the need to proactively go out and sell what's the kind of mindset that people are naturally in? You know, when you first enter into business and you're not going in there as a salesperson, what's the first kind of mindset that they're in? Because I know I really struggled with this. What what, what do people generally feel like when they're starting to, to undertake this process? Uh, it's really interesting that you ask that because I've noticed a trend because I talk to companies, um, we really service uh, startups to about our average client is up to about 40 million in annual sales. Just kind of in that bracket, we really is where our strength is. And um, when I talk to pa 
to passionate startups. I mean, they're so excited about what they have and they have a million ideas, a million. (laughs) They'll tell you, well, it could be this, or it could be that, or it could be this, or it could be that. And the biggest advice that I can give to a starting entrepreneur is focus, just focus somewhere, like one place, maybe just one product or one vertical or find your niche. And then you can expand out of your niche, but focus on that one place because that's really what makes a difference between a company that starts to grow and see progress is because they're not scattered all over the place in the entrepreneur's mind of ADD everywhere. <laughs> it's <laughs> start, start in one place. I think that's really, really important. And and when you get into that space, you become so proficient within that space that um, you start to see opportunities within that area that perhaps you might not have seen before because you were quite scattergun. I, I see that so often myself. And I think we're all we're all susceptible to that if we've got this entrepreneurial mindset. And the one thing that I know a lot of a lot of listeners and myself included struggle with is is when you have that really really powerful, that successful, really vibrant first connection with someone. And the thing that I personally really struggle with is what do I do next? How can I convert this relationship into a financially profitable one? Is that a fairly common issue with entrepreneurs as well, would you say? Uh, hmm. Maybe. I, I, I'm around California, so it boggles my mind how many startups are now getting funding and then feel like they never need to make money. That's been an interesting um, platform where they now become, um, they don't think that they need to make money. It's a, <laughs> it's a strange thing. But, uh, but I could see maybe a, um, somebody being fearful of someone paying for their product or service. You really have to feel that you are serving them in the highest and giving them something truly of value. And if they say, no, I'm not interested, you are providing them a disservice by not working with you, by not signing up for your product, by not working with your service. Um, That's truly how you have to feel. And actually, one of the tips that I was going to give you today assists in figuring out what that, um, what the clients really want and what they really need. That's an interesting mindset that I, I like the idea of, of when someone says no, it's, it's kind of your duty because it would, it would benefit them so much to work with you that it would be the disservice for them not to. I really like that idea. And yes. just kind of pulling that apart a little bit further, how can we tactically start to get our heads around that. So what, what physical things can we do that may not necessarily be a massive step forward? What little things can we do day to day to start moving towards that mindset in, in, within our own businesses? Yeah. Well, so this is coined by Jay Abraham. Jay Abraham teaches that um, you don't have customers, you have clients. And clients are under the care, guidance, and protection of an expert. So shift your brain mental awareness of, okay, I'm just closing a deal for today. I'm just closing this sale. And how are you closing for a lifetime? How are you closing for the long term? How can you set yourself apart and really know about what you're talking about? How can you become that expert? So you ask for a tactical thing. I actually have, I can, um, jump to the second thing that I was going to talk about. Uh, We call this the curious kitten approach. 
and <laughs> it um, it seems a little funny the the title, but it works out perfectly because, for example, um, on one of my last webinar series, I'll I I was testing a new product, and I wasn't quite. I hadn't quite fit what the pricing was going to be and what people really wanted to be able to take the action to take to purchase. And uh, after the webinar, I sent an email to all the people that hadn't purchased. And let me just quickly read this email to you so you can get an idea of a tactical thing you can do. So it said, Dear Bobby, I noticed that during the double sales training, you didn't purchase the Institute at the end. And we'd love to know why. I have no intention of trying to sell you anything. Let me read that again. I have no intention of trying to sell you anything, but we do want to make sure that we're hitting the mark with our customers. Any feedback you can give us would help. Were you not clear on what you were getting? Is there something else in your business that you need to focus? Was it too expensive or is your business smooth sailing? If you respond, we'll send you this PDF on dialing for dollars, Chet's checklist for influence over the phone to thank you for your time spent. Please respond to this email with your reason why you didn't purchase and we'll send you the PDF. So that's an example of something where I was releasing a new product. I didn't really know what the clients wanted. And I straight up said, I have no intention of trying to sell you. Please tell me what, you know, what do you want? And that has gotten more response, that email, than any other email that I sent. It was insane the amount of people that write back to that email and then it's great I get all of the objections I find out what they really want well I didn't really like this but it would be really cool if you had that and um, it started conversations with people which was great I got so much feedback way better than talking to the people that actually did buy finding out why the people didn't buy and people just want to give their their feedback they love to share they love to share their opinion everyone has an opinion so <laughs> that was a really great tactical thing that my organization was still able to do um, to just get more clear on how to be connected with our clients and figure out what they really wanted. And even on that email, I, I still get people that purchase once they get that email. They go, oh, yeah, I wanted to purchase. And then they purchase, which just happens to be a great byproduct. But getting that feedback is just the most important thing. That seems really, really powerful. And what I like about that is the, the seemingly honest and open and frank approach to that because it's very easy sometimes to kind of feel – um, feel a little bit too salesy, you know, we go in there with the intent of selling and so on and so forth, but switching our own mindset around and actually writing an email like that, that could be quite a big shift for people as well. So is there anything that, anything that people can do to kind of get over this stigma they may attach with writing such an email as that? Cause that I'm, I'm just imagining myself writing it and thinking to myself, this feels a little uncomfortable. Is that, a, and again, is that a common thing? Is there anything we can do to move past that? Oh, I, I, I definitely see, oh, it, I think it, it's something that takes practice, obviously. You know, my father always said mastery isn't about doing 4,000 things. It's about doing 12 things 4,000 times and figuring out what those things are to focus on and master. And in today's day and age, email marketing is the second highest ROI uh, marketing initi initiative you can have. First is referrals. So it really doesn't cost you much to send an email. So it's something you really have to practice to get great at. 
But if you want to go in the right direction, find a way, find your voice, find a way to be authentic. And because that's going to resonate with people way more than you trying to be salesy or trying to be pushy or trying to, you know, speak to them as if they're your friend. I, um, before I took over this, this, um, position in, in my company, I felt that a lot of our emails were, um, a little bit too corporate. I felt that we had lost that connection with our clients. And once, um, I came in there with with my team, Greg Deneo, who's phenomenal at writing emails. Um, him and I were able to craft uh, some great uh, campaigns, and we've been able to increase our email open rate by fi- by fifty three percent, which wow. is huge for my company. I mean, just crazy. We've been t- able to ten x the amount of people that show up on our webinars. Um, I mean, this time last year, we were getting about 200 business owners on average, and now we get between 800 to 1,000. So it's 10x. Yeah. <laughs> Marcel is on here. She uh, works with Grant Cardone, and she always says 10x. 10x. Grant Cardone, 10x is everywhere you look. It's amazing. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's amazing. That I mean, that just to increase the, the, the email open rate is just, it's kind of beyond I won't say it's beyond measurement, but people in small business don't necessarily equate the mindset shift that you've just spoken about and taking the more personal approach and finding your tone and finding your voice to that actual change in open rate. You know, some people find that really difficult to put together. And I'd just like to to move a little bit further into to the other side of things, actually, which is when people start to follow up prospects, when people start to follow up either via email or telephone or wh- however, what are some of the mistakes that they tend to make? What do they do wrong? The biggest thing that companies do wrong, and it's the same, it's the same with their emails, it's the same with their marketing, it's the same, it's the same with their sales, is this is the number one thing. Okay. Everyone that's listening to this, write this down. Hi, Ethan. Um, the number one thing is you focus on yourself. That is the biggest problem for entrepreneurs, for businesses, for marketing departments. They talk about me, 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 me. And you had asked for some actionable steps. The third thing I was going to tell you walking away from this podcast is don't focus on you. Focus on their needs, their desires, what what's important to them. Because it's in this day and age, The um, for example our attention span is half what it was just 10 years ago because they've been able to prove that when you get on the internet, just five hours on the internet, because of neuroplasticity, your whole brain starts to rework to need instant gratification. So our attention span is cut in half. Nobody cares about your product or service unless they're interested in purchasing, which is really only 3% of the buyer's pyramid. So you really have to come up when you're talking with your prospects, put yourself in their shoes. What's important to them? What keeps them up at night? What are some solutions that could actually help them? It doesn't have to do with, and it doesn't have to do with your product or service. It does not always have to do with your product or service. And I'm sure some of you on this call have had those people where you know that they give excellent service and it's not always, I think it's Zappos, it might have been Zappos, the story about how their customer service was so great that one of their clients called and said, hey, I need a pizza. Where's the nearest pizza place? And the customer service 
person, of course, because they just come from a place of service, they found the pizza place and they called them for them. It was, it's a pretty <laughs> funny story. I don't remember it to the T, but it's really about focusing on your prospects. I think that's such a vital point to reiterate that focus on how you can help and what the pain points are, what keeps people up at night. That It's a massive lesson that, that I've learned personally over the last couple of years. And you're right, we're all really inwardly directed. We all want to tell people about us, don't we? It's, I mean, it's crazy to think that anyone would be interested in that because when we get the emails that are like that, do we open them? Of course we don't. It's a, it's a really baffling situation that we put ourselves in because we just we carry out the actions that if we were in receipt of we would hate it's, it's amazing to see so i think that's really really valuable and let's just talk a little bit more around the service angle as well because the, the prospect side of things is massive and obviously converting those sales is huge but in this kind of modern world that we live in everything's really transparent you, people expect this zappos style service how do you guys deal with that how do you deal with things like refund requests and you know everything that comes that people doesn't you know they don't necessarily want to talk about how do we handle all of that um i mean you have to have a great team you have to have policies you have to have procedures in place and you know it goes back to the whole you know the buyer's always right right the customer's always right um uh yeah i i we teach that you really should leave nothing up to chance. And uh, it's the same if you're a business owner, you want to make sure that all of the people that work for you uh, have, you know, like I, I, I have prepared the four elements of an effective follow-up. Every one of your salespeople should know exactly how to follow up. They should have a script or some kind of template to come from. Um, and it should be the same with your customer service. You know, if you know that people are going to come in and, and complain about this, you should have that all worked out so that they know exactly what to do with every single client so that you don't have people unhappy or upset. It's so important, isn't it, to keep keep that relationship up because there's nothing worse than converting that sale as a customer, you know, going through the process, being wholeheartedly convinced that this is the right decision for you to make. And then you get on the inside of the wall and actually the service drops and, you know, there's no personality there. The one-to-one -one contact that you had previously may have dropped and you've not been transitioned to a new person. It becomes really frustrating for people. And, I, you know, you see it so, so often. But I, I almost feel like us as business owners, we can't get away with that anymore, you know, because the internet genuinely is so transparent these days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a great tool. Um, I, I also see a lot of pain points for business owners, um, with SEO, if they get a bad complaint, there's a lot that can go wrong. I mean, the best example of that is, um, it, have you ever heard of the song United Breaks Guitars? No, I haven't. <laughs> you should Google or, or YouTube United Breaks Guitars. This guy, uh, United broke his guitar and he went through the worst customer service process and um, he said, he told one of the uh, head customer service people at United, you know what? You haven't served me. So now I'm going to go write a song and I'm going to put it on YouTube and it's going to be a huge success. And they didn't listen to him. He actually did put up the song and it got 14 million views, <laughs> 14 million views. They ended up losing. Oh, gosh, what was it? I don't have the. Wait, I can find the number. It's like a ridiculous amount. 
they lost in market share within the week. Hold on. I know I have to get this for you. It's crazy. Uh, one second. Where is it? Um, ah, sorry. I didn't think I would bring it up. <laughs> no, you're quite all right. Go ahead and find it. I, I'm curious to hear the results of this. I, it's, it reminds, uh, yeah. me of, reminds me of the film V for Vendetta, Power to the People. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So United Stock dropped 10%, shedding $180 million in value <laughs> right after United breaks guitars. Wow. What? One person, one unhappy customer because social media is so powerful today. So you really have to come up with, you know, you really do have to serve your clients. <laughs> you can't just say that you do. That is amazing. I mean, that is a lesson to us all. And it it doesn't really matter what size you are. Either. It doesn't have to be united. If you work in a very small niche or if you work yeah. very geographically restricted, you know, th- the power of that is is completely the same on scale with your business. So I think that is so, so interesting. And that example just blows my mind. It's amazing. And Amanda, we're just coming up to about time, but what I'd like to just do is recap your three actionable tips. So let's dig into actionable tip number one, please. Yeah, well, we were supposed to talk more about follow-up. I gave we were, you one we? follow-up strategy and then we went <laughs> We went <laughs> off in all sorts of places. We did. I love it though, but uh, we should do a follow-up on the follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well uh studies have shown that 80 percent of sales come from the fifth to twelfth contact and yet only 48 percent of salespeople actually follow up so um (laughs) marcel's saying way to follow up on (laughs) follow-up so uh number one thing that you should know about follow-up is that um if you can respond to a client within one to two hours of your conversation, that's a perfect window, that perfect window. Um, ah, my second actionable item was something that we didn't talk about the four elements of an effective follow-up. Should I talk about that? Yeah, let's do it. We're, we're, we're good on time. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Okay. So the four elements of an effective follow-up number one, you want to make sure that you start your correspondence with something personal, something personal. Number two, a compliment. You should be writing this down. Something personal, a compliment. The people that are listening, not you, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I could be writing it down. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, hot buttons impacting them. And then number four, a personal close. So it may seem very uh, rudimentary, but I will tell you that majority of follow-ups, let me give you an example. Here is a standard follow-up. Someone would call or email after a conversation and say, Dear Joe, thank you for your time. I know how busy you are. Our training programs are great. They're the best thing going. You really need to get them right away if you want to win. We're great. I really want your business and I'm willing to work hard to get it. You won't regret buying from us. I will call you soon to sell you some more. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it's normally not that blunt. Obviously, it's a little bit of a joke, but um, a lot of follow-ups, you'll hear them just talk about me, 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 my product, my service, my product, my service, as opposed to, here's an example of using those four steps. So, dear Joe, that was a great story you told about your daughter. In our next meeting, I have a similar story to tell you. Something personal, okay? Number two, you certainly seem to have a great grasp on how to make your company succeed. They are lucky to have you. A compliment. 
Number three, with the economic challenges you face, however, our training is going to give you that extra push you need to take your staff skills to the next level. Imagine if you could shift the buyer's or the market's buying criteria completely in your favor. This approach improves everything you're already doing. Hot buttons. And then lastly, once again, it was great meeting you. I have a few ideas about other productivity issues that I know you will like. So those are the four steps. Anything you want to say before I say the third? No, I really like that. I, I'm just writing that down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you, I have this written in one of our webinars that we do. And every time I respond to a client, I pull that up and I go, okay, because normally I would say like, hi, Mark. It was a pleasure meeting you. Um, I look forward to our next conversation. Instead, and instead of saying like, oh, I know how busy you are because that totally puts you as if your time, as if their time is more important than your time. So you always want to position yourself as I'm busy. I talk to a lot of important people, but I'm making the time for you. And it's your lucky day to be talking to me because you've given so much value to them that they thank you for your time. So you should never thank them for their time. That's a huge uh, thing that you got to remember. But so I will always go back to that and just start with something personal. Give them a compliment. Hit some kind of hot button. Well, you know, I know that you're thinking about this. You should really consider because it improves everything you're already doing. And then lastly, end in a personal close. And the one thing that's common throughout this whole process is, which is action item number three, focus on them, their needs, their desires, their hot buttons, their personal, you know, focus on them. Wow. They are probably the three most in-depth tips we've ever had on the show. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I love it. And it feels like because, you're, because you've got all so many examples there, I'm kind of imagining you as like some kind of Bruce Wayne in some kind of data cave with like five computers around you surfing the <laughs> internet for all of these facts. I do have two computers and my cell phone running uh, Periscope. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. That is amazing. How's the Periscope going? It's going good. We have we're getting a lot of hearts right now. I'm really appreciating that, guys. Hey, the handstand's on its way. The handstand is on its <laughs> way. Fusion Guru is saying handstand, handstand. <laughs> I love it. Not to encourage you or anything. That's amazing. <laughs> Check it out. That's fantastic. Well, Amanda, listen, that has been such a fantastic episode. I've really, really enjoyed that. And I've learned a lot myself as well. So thank you so much for doing that. And just before we put a pin in it, where is the best place for people to connect with you online? Ah. Well, you can go, for anybody that wants to learn a bit more, you can go to chetholmes.com. So that's C-H-E-T, Holmes like Sherlock, dot com. And go ahead and opt in on that page. You'll get a three video series that teaches how to get to the most important people in the world. Um, the one thing that's going to make all the difference between you and your competition. And then a great training that I did um, that we were going to charge for, but instead I decided to just give it away for free on the three strategies to double sales. So you can find out there more. Um, if you want to have a conversation and, you know, tell me what you got out of this, or if you have more questions, you can follow me on Twitter at Amanda Holmes, uh, or Periscope. I hop on here and we do the sales lounges, as you know. So, uh, that would be a great place to have conversation. Excellent stuff. Thank you so much, Amanda. That has been a real pleasure. 
Oh, it's been such a pleasure, Mark. Thank you so much. Always fun. Always fun. And we will do the follow-up on more follow-ups, I think. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> Listen, guys, we are going to wrap everything up right there. We're going to stick a pin in it and we're going to put everything that myself and Amanda have spoken about over at excellence dash expectedcom And speaking of Periscope, it's been uh, it's been thrown in there a few times today. Don't forget, you can join me every Friday at 12 lunchtime UK time for the Small Business Lunch, a short, power-packed, punchy 15-minute session covering all things small business, and you will leave with some powerful tips. So Small Business Lunch over on Periscope at Mr. Asquith. And until next time, don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Adios. Adios.